Welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. My name is Michael and I'm your host. And today we are going to be sitting down with the Sportsman's Alliance. The Sportsman's Alliance uh, is a national organization and they're working to protect the rights of hunters, fishermen, and trappers from those folks that wish to take those rights away. And they work in all 50 states, they work in the legislatures, they work in the courts, and they work at the ballot box. All that stuff that's not so much fun for us folks that like to play outside. So these guys are important. And, you know, and unfortunately, there are those those misguided, uh, ill-informed folks that don't necessarily understand why we value the sporting lifestyle, this wildlife, um, you know, these outdoors experiences and this food as much as we do. Um, you know, we're, we're faced with issues all the time. Uh, where where we're having opportunities, hunting and angling opportunities taken away from us. So I would say right now is more important than ever to start thinking about how you present yourself. Um, start thinking about how you stand up to these attacks, how you stand up and, and frankly fight back um, in a professional way that shines a positive light on the sporting community. So I hope you stick around and listen. I hope you enjoy this. And I hope you'll walk away with some valuable uh, tidbits that, that help you become a better sporting advocate. So before we get into that, though, let's talk about some opportunities from some of our state's great conservation organizations. Right off the bat, we have the Outdoor Skills Network. Let's see, they got three youth turkey hunts. Uh, These are Marvin Robbins Memorial Youth Turkey Hunts. Um, These are conducted in partnership with National Wild Turkey Federation, Arizona Wildlife Federation, Youth Outdoors Unlimited, Rocky Mountain Elk Federation, and the Phoenix Varmint Collars Incorporated. Let's see, these are going to run 14th to the 17th of April. Uh, the camps are located in Units 1, 27, 6A, and 23. Ooh, I got, a, I got a turkey tag coming up in 6A at the end of the month. Hopefully I'll be reporting back some good news there next month. Um, so this is an opportunity where, where youth that maybe doesn't have great access to the outdoors, doesn't have that dad, that uncle, that grandpa to take them out. This is an opportunity for them to get out in a safe environment with with professional mentors have a great time and and harvest some birds hopefully so for more information on this um, go to azgfd.gov forward slash mentored camps i'll also have that link in the show notes so check there next up we have an opportunity from the arizona mule deer organization they are going to be repairing some trick tanks let's see they got one to two dozen tanks in need of some type of repair Fence repair, tree removal, uh, mesh replacement, excuse me, mesh replacement on umbrella collection aprons, uh, replacing bolts with easier to remove wing nuts, some major fixes such as metal ramps or apron sections being replaced. Um, There will be a list provided later. Let's see, this is going to be in Region 6, Unit 23, off Highway 260, Young Road, in between Payson and Sholo. Uh, they're going to be camped out off of the 109 off Young Road. Uh, the tanks range from Christopher Mountain down south off of the 128, 109, 411, 101, etc. Um, this is taking place June 24th, 25th, and 26th. Most of the work is going to be done the 25th. The 24th will be the day where volunteers are showing up and setting up camp. So clearly this is a, a, an important project, um, especially in light of the drought we've experienced here in Arizona. Uh, water is vital to wildlife and uh, I'll tell you from experience this this work is not only deeply satisfying it's also a good time you get to camp with a lot of cool guys you get to get out there and do some good work 
man, I recommend doing it. If you haven't volunteered in this fashion, I promise you're going to have a good time. I promise you're going to walk away from it feeling good about yourself. So let's get in on that. I think you'll probably have more information. We'll have more information coming up on this opportunity here as well. So stay tuned. Let's see. We've got from Fly Fishers Arizona. Um, every, let's see, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. at Roadrunner Park, uh, Cactus and Highway 51 in the north side of the park, they have fly casting. So get out there if you're curious about fly fishing. Um, and man, I'll tell you, I'm a fly fisherman and it, it's not because I'm snooty. It's because I would take one fish on a fly rod versus five on traditional equipment any day of the week. It's that much fun. So get out there to Roadrunner Park and uh, learn how to cast a fly rod. Then take that next step. Get out on the water and catch a fish. You're not going to regret it. And you have that opportunity for free every single Wednesday. Then finally, uh, we've talked about this a couple times, but you're running out of time. Saturday, April 16th, starting at 9 a.m., the Valley of Sun Quail Forever Registered Clay Shoot. Um, this is at P P Picacho Sporting Clays, and that's in Elo, Arizona. Uh, again, starting at 9 a.m., $80 per person. Lunch and one raffle ticket for a honey-baked ham will be given to you. Two stations will have a 50-50 drawing, on-site raffle opportunities, uh, sponsor a shooting station for only $100, and uh, yeah, thanks for supporting Valley of the Sun Quail forever. I'll have a link for that as well. That's going to be a good time, so definitely get in on that. And one last note, I want to say thank you to all you folks that went out to the Arizona Game and Fish Department Expo this past weekend. I was there and I had a great time. It was two very long days. Met some wonderful folks, and I just got to throw some props out there for my German shorthead pointer, Edward. Edward perched himself at the end of a table at the Arizona Wildlife Federation booth. He let hundreds upon hundreds of folks pet him, pull his ears, hug him, kiss him, just love on him. For two whole days, this dog endured this um, with a great attitude, and I'm very proud of him. So, yeah, if you didn't make it out there, don't miss it next year. It's such a good time. All right, that's it for our announcements and chit chat. Uh, please enjoy this conversation with the Sportsman's Alliance. It's an important one. Thanks so much. All right, welcome to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. Today, I am here with Courtney Nicholson and Brian Lynn of the Sportsman Alliance. And I'm going to go ahead and have you guys just uh, introduce yourselves. I will say that um, this is the first time I've got to meet Brian, but uh, unfortunately, fortunately, I've got to uh, hang out with Courtney uh, before, um, I believe, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous. Um, I don't know if we ever met up anywhere other than that, but... I know we did some hunt eat stuff, you know, under the same platform, but um, it's good to see you again. And good Brian, it's nice to meet you. Uh, Brian, nice let's start with you, if we can. Tell me about yourself and, and your work here with the Sportsman Alliance. Yeah, you bet. Uh, let's see, I've been in the industry 22 years. I guess that makes the math easy. So yeah, 22 years. Uh, I started off on the editorial side of things as an editor with uh, – small magazine in Texas. And from there, I jumped over to ESPN Outdoors and launched their online stuff, part of the team that did that, and as well as ran Bassmaster. 
while at ESPN, I headed up the sporting dog section, the conservation section, the headline news. So I kind of got a, you know, big dose of working with all the NGOs and the biology that goes into everything. So I was repurposing a lot of their content and putting it up and mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, kind of watching the headlines and seeing how things, how the cycles work, the news cycles and the headlines. And I mean, I was writing headline teaser texts before they called it clickbait, you know, uh, mm-hmm. not exactly clickbait, but I was trying to push that envelope that would get the clicks, you know? So, uh, yeah, I do not trust media at all these days after two decades. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. from there I went to outdoor life magazine and I was senior editor there for a couple of years and, uh, moved to New York city. And that was an experience, not one I want to repeat. And, uh, you know, uh, after that in the economy, you know, 2008 went to hell. I was a freelancer and again, and, uh, writing, television, whatever else there was to, uh, make ends meet in the industry. So kind of been around and know everybody and, you know, done a little bit of everything. And uh, I came off the sportsman's Alliance in October of 2014 and uh, have been here ever since and love it. And it's kind of a conglomeration of everything I've done, you know, conservation work, advocacy. You know, I've always had an interest in sticking to the animal rights and debunking their their philosophies and their propaganda machine. So Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. And here I'm the the, uh, vice president of marketing communications. So pretty much run everything as far as outward facing messaging on the website and social media with Courtney and our internal communications, as well as editing anything that goes out for grant writing or pretty much anything. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Brian. And where where are you located now? I live in Washington state, kind of the, uh, you know, I'm right in the middle of the epitome of the worst place to live when, as far as animal rights and, the fight that's going on right now mm-hmm. is one of the epicenters that's taking place this spring. Gotcha. All right. Well, how about you, Courtney? How'd you get here? Yeah. So I joined Sportsman's Alliance just a couple of months ago. I work in the communications department with Brian um, and help do a lot of work with our social media as well. Some of our communications And yeah, I've been in the industry for a little over 10 years, I guess, spent most of it in the media world, working for uh, different TV companies, Outdoor Channel, Carbon TV, um, doing a lot of freelance writing as well. Um, And I've just really based uh, a lot of my volunteer work and mentorship around it as well. So I've been a hunter education instructor for five or six years um, and do a lot of mentorship with groups like Sisterhood of the Outdoors, mm-hmm. uh, getting more young ladies into hunting. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll tell you what, uh, for our listeners, can you give me an overview of, of who the Sportsman Alliance is and the kind of work you guys do? You bet. We're, uh, you know, advocacy organization that started in the seventies out of an anti-trapping bill in Ohio. And that was the genesis for it. From there we grew and, you know, we kind of have three prongs, and that's advocacy, research, and education. Our advocacy is the most, you know, visible piece that you can see. And we work in all 50 state legislatures, in state and federal court, 
and at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. And our, our mission is to protect hunting, fishing, and trapping, and specifically to do it from the animal rights movement. Okay. We'll get involved in all sorts of stuff, but it was born out of an attack on trapping brought by the Humane Society of the United States. And that's kind of the David versus Goliath fight we're still going with is mm-hmm. HSUS is huge and they're pretty much the puppet masters behind all this stuff and have the money and the propaganda and the media buys to push it and as well as political connections. So that's the fight that we really focus on or those three areas and uh, from the animal rights movement specifically. Gotcha. And how, I mean, you said you work on both federal and state issues. Um, how involved do you get with individual states? Yeah, it's it's a hard to say, you know, thing. It's it, There's so many that happens that, you know, because all the state legislatures pretty much come in at one time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bills. And some of that can be, uh, some of that can be, you know, uh, you have to look at priorities. You have to look at which states, what committee they're in. Do they have a chance to get out? If they're, we know they're not going anywhere. We don't have to do anything. We just right. watch it, track gotcha. it. You know, other states, it's you know, tooth and nail fighting. You know, so mm-hmm. it's all those states. But that happens at the legislative side. There's the state side too. You know, New Jersey bear issue was one we were heading up and. You know, and that was in court that we fought for several years. So, right, right, yeah. It's it's funny from my personal perspective. Um, the angle I try to come at this stuff from, whether it's accurate or not, is you know here, you know, we had some lion and bear hunting issues um, this year, and it was not through the legislature; it was through our commission. Um, it was very well organized and it was backed by Humane Society and Center for Biological Diversity. But uh, and don't get me wrong here. That's an issue. Um, I feel like, you know, a, a dead bear, a dead deer, they're both dead. Um, and it's only from an emotional perspective that that matters. Assuming all things equal, these populations are, are managed by science, um, you know, for healthy, robust populations. It's important to me because I believe we need hunting, one, because, you know, it's it's part of who we are. It's part of our evolution. It's, it's what we do. Um, and two, it creates that tangible connection to wildlife, habitat, all these things that we need as a species as well. So to me, hunting is extremely important. And, but, but I guess here's my difference. I try to not view these folks as, you know, bad people. I I, I view them as people with good intentions that probably could use a little education in this whole system and how it works. I've thrown this example around a lot and that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm up in the mountains now, but for the past 10 years, I, I've been down in a very uh, left-leaning neighborhood in probably the most left-leaning uh, city uh, in Arizona. And that that's not to try to make this a partisan thing. It's just to paint a picture. And I would bring bears home and I would smoke their hindquarters and, and flesh their hides in my backyard. And I had more vegans 
living around me um, than not. And these people were my neighbors and my friends, um, and they all absolutely supported what I, I did. And But I think that's because of the way I presented it. I presented it as food, adventure, and conservation. And I, and I didn't, you know, judge them for their lifestyle choices. So I'm just wondering, you know, in, in the Sportsman Alliance work, do you ever, do you ever try to educate the sporting community and their behavior and how they react to the anti-hunting movement? Not saying that that's necessarily the only way to do it, but I think it's one approach that's important and it's worked well for me. Totally. No, it, it, that's a great approach. Um, and I agree with you. Most of the people who probably support a lot of the initiatives aren't bad people. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. Right. You know, and they, they have no experience with it. They're ignorant. You know, they don't have the knowledge. The people running the show, Humane Society and CBD and Mountain Lion, everybody at the top there the, who is putting out this messaging, mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking yeah, about. I it's a deliberate. Yeah. But most of the people who are supporting it and whatever else just don't know. So if they do have a good discussion with somebody or an introduction or see you eating it, and that's actually, I mean, even a lot of, yeah, I know vegans and vegetarians who have zero problem with hunting, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they prefer it to factory farming. Sure. You know, and we can get into logistics of that and, you know, needing to feed people and whether right. they, that's ethical or not. But beside the point, they will support it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, a lot of the uh, city people are disconnected from nature, disconnected from their food, you know. And so they're, yeah, we try to educate them. And, you know, part of that is an education program we have is we launched this year, Conservation Adventures. It's in mm-hmm. high schools. It's in 71 high schools right now. It's a full year long science class and it teaches the principles of science through the lens of conservation and explaining the North American model to the kids. Yeah. And so it's everyday repetitive messaging, looking at this, understanding that, oh, we hunt the surplus. This is why this is how our model changed from European. And here's how it works. Here's how it funds it. If you remove hunting, you still have the deer to manage and the wildlife to manage within a habitat, the funding mechanism's gone, what are you going to do? You know, right. and you, experiments and everything else. So there's definitely an education process that hunters need to engage the public and the non-hunting public with. It's just really difficult unless you have that. It's really difficult except for your sphere of influence. Like you were talking about your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You can influence them. Yep the bigger picture on a mass scale is very difficult because it's a very long story to tell. And we live in a headline soundbite society these days, you know, yeah. Evil trophy hunters. We've lost, you've lost it when you sit here and then try to explain the North American model and you go into this whole long process and people's eyes glaze over and they're done. Right. Even hunters. They're like, I don't know. I just like to shoot deer and okay. Yeah. You know, so there is an education process that we all deliberately need to engage in. Right. Yeah. I'll give one more example. <clears throat> you know, I, I hunt from a couple of very popular trailheads, you know, right, right out of a Metro center. And, you know, on a Saturday uh, with, with a javelina, you know, strapped to my back or, or deer cord or, 
Um, there's going to be blood involved and I'm going to probably walk by 20 to 50 hikers. Now, every one of those interactions can either be really bad or it can be really good. And I do my damnedest to make every one of those interactions a, a positive one. Um, you know, again, I, I talk about the food, what I'm going to do with that meat. Um, and, you know, when you approach these people, the looks that you get, it, it could really turn some folks off and automatically make them combative. Um, but again, I think it's up to, up to us as hunters to to represent ourselves in, in a way that, that's tasteful and, and helps hunting and angling as a whole. So I think it's important. That's that's only a piece of the picture, of course, but uh, yeah. I think it's an important one. I think we could do a better job for sure. So with that, let's talk about, you know, hunters, anglers, outdoors people in general, including myself, do not enjoy conservation work when it's down at the legislature. Um, it's a big part of my job. Uh, but it's it's not something I choose to do because I enjoy those interactions. I choose to do it because um, it's important. That's where decisions are made. And as important as boots on the ground work is, and it's it's very important, um, you know, none of that's going to matter if we lose access to that land and we don't have the ability to to manage wildlife based in science. So can, can you guys speak to that, speak to the importance of sports or sportsmen, hunters and anglers getting involved and getting outside of their comfort zone? Yeah, you bet. I mean, it is, I mean, it's intimidating. I, I let's step back. We need, I think there needs to be a uh, distinction made. There's conservation and there's advocacy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times conservation groups are being lumped in with advocacy and people are like, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you? Because that's not their mission. Their mission is the advocacy side. Right. At the same time, the advocacy people will get hammered with, well, why aren't you doing cleanups? Why aren't you doing this? Because yeah, that's not our I mission. I hear that a lot. You know, so it's like, first of all, let's figure out which camp you sit in. And that doesn't mean you can't do both. I mean, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and others sure. have both, mm -hmm. you know, but their primary is conservation. So you kind of got to, you know, when people start talking about this, we got to use the correct terms or at least understand that not all conservation organizations engage in advocacy and vice versa. Um, but, yeah, it can be very intimidating to pick up the phone mm -hmm. and call a legislative aid or you know the office and they're like hello and you feel like this weirdo as you're like yeah i'm calling about house bill 1852 and then there's a pause and it's awkward and they're like okay like, yeah i'm completely <laughs> against it and you give your little rehearsed spiel that you've gone over in your head for the last 20 minutes and they're like okay i will pass that along mm -hmm. you know and it's like okay but picking up the phone is the best thing you can do it's right. awkward for you, maybe, but who cares? Yeah. Like it, it's over in four minutes if at most, you know, and you've tied up their phone lines. You've made an impression and getting out of that comfort zone is going to move the needle. Mm -hmm. Like emailing's great. I mean, and if you can do it for your email or submit it through their portal, you know, great, you know, change.org things don't really do squat. Um, it yeah. makes us feel good. 
but to move the needle, you need to interact. You need to, you know, be a constituent, first of all, Mm -hmm. or be able to phrase it as, hey, I do hunt here or I have hunt here or I'm planning to hunt here. You know, and so, you know, it it won't probably be taken with the same amount of weight as a constituent. But all of a sudden you start getting into the economics of it and they go, oh, you know, there's money to be made here and there's money for my district and whatever. And so you kind of might elevate yourself up a little bit. But without a doubt, if we don't become advocates for ourselves, nobody else is going to. And doing that smartly and effectively is the number one thing we need to do. Courtney, I don't know if you have anything. Yeah, that's definitely a big, uh, big part of what we do in our department here is to really educate, you know, the public on what's going on, what the timeline is, and when and how they can participate. And it's been, you know, really fun to see this huge influx of people wanting to participate, not only in their own state, but, you know, in other states. And so it's kind of our job to instruct those people, you know, that there is a little bit of finesse of when and how you can get involved, if you can get involved at all. And so it's really interesting when we see, you know, some of the um, messages come in through social or, or people calling up our headquarters and, you know, they say, oh, we've got this issue going on in our state or we've got this going on. Can you guys help? You know, and uh it's it's always, you know, something different when we dive into it. And, you know, our government affairs team will look at it and say, you know, what's going on? Who is behind this? You know, is it a bill? Is it a discussion? Is there an open comment period? Is this, you know, who's in charge of this and what's going on? And then looking at how we can attack it. So it's it's really interesting and it's really strategic. And that's why, you know, coming out of our organization, you'll see lots of different, you know, action initiatives of, you know, it's time to call this committee, contact your individual Mm -hmm. representative. Okay. You know, we want you to call this whole list of people. And so it's, it's pretty strategic in the when and how, and if, you know, the general public can participate. And so a lot of it, a lot of it is, uh, timing or knowing, like she said, strategic, like a lot of times just shut up. Like, yep. don't bring it up. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times people will be like, oh, we got to we got to everybody email. It's like, no, just be quiet right now. Like, we know what committee this is in. We know what the political makeup is. We also know that they have these other eight bills they have to get through in the next 36 hours. Right. So if we just be quiet, that might just sail under. That can also come back and bite you a little bit because all of a sudden somebody brings it up and pushes it forward. Now we've got to rally the troops and do so quickly. You know, but uh, and you know, I leave that to the to the smart guys in the government affairs team that you know are talking to boots on the ground and have a pulse there. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's when to do it, when not to do it, who to put the pressure on. You know, sometimes there's a committee, but it boils down to one or two votes, or one or two people are sitting on the fence. Sure. You know, the other guys might have their minds made up, but we really need to inundate these two people. Right. To and- meet it, kill it, or piss them off enough that, you know, they throw it out. <laughs> yeah. And legislators are human beings. Um, you know, so when you talk about applying pressure, some respond well to pressure. Some go the opposite direction you want them to go. So those those personal relationships are really important and knowing who you're working with. 
And that's, and that's the top, you know, we were talking about this the other day with some of the guys in the department, you know, the hierarchy of, uh, of it all and personal relationships mm-hmm. are, are number one. Like if yeah. you can get the ear of your legislator, you know, okay. Like that's the best, right. You know, the next is, you know, calling and letting them know and then sending an email you know, and letting them know your constituent, you know, but developing a personal relationship, if they know who you are, they, or they know for a fact you're a constituent is the best thing you can do, yeah. you know, and it gives them a vested interest, right? They're looking for reelection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's where that, that comes in handy. Sure. You, you know, that brings up uh, an important point um, in our world. Uh, and that's the, well, we as an organization like to say that conservation is not partisan. Um, you know, conservation is important to everybody on the left and the right. And we as an organization work very hard to stay in that bipartisan space. Um, it's not always comfortable. It's not always a comfortable place to live, you know, because you're always going to be making somebody mad. But um, we have good relationships on both sides of the aisle. And that's extremely important. You know, we're a state organization and um you know, we're working personally with these folks and we really try to be um, a pragmatic science based organization. So and, you know, since we've developed these relationships and, and developed this reputation, you know, we can go down and speak against a bill, uh, you know, that that someone has out there that we have a, a positive relationship with, but because of the way we carry ourselves, we're still going to have a relationship with that person afterwards. Um, there's they, they know that we're not unreasonable. You know, they know we stand for conservation and habitat access, public lands, and, and we're completely open and honest about who we are, but we're also reasonable, you know, and, and we do try to stay in that bipartisan space. How does that work for you guys? Well, I think that that's really important and, you know, that we have, you know, obviously every single bill that's introduced is introduced by, you know, a state senator, a state representative, or if it's, you know, a, a, comes from a petition of an individual person, someone has to step forward to present it. Mm-hmm. And each one of those people, you know, comes from a district, has constituents, but also has a political party tied to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's always going to be the people who say, you know, for all the organizations and always say, you know, could you just give us a cheat sheet of, you know, who we should vote for or not vote for, who are good for sportsmen, who are bad for sportsmen, um, you know, and it's really quite easy. It's like, look up your um, your representatives and every single state has a .gov website you can go to and you can see all the bills that they have either introduced, co-sponsored or, you know, I've had some participation in, and you can see it right there. And I mean, if that's, you know, too, too complicated, or you can't quite find it, or don't, you know, quite understanding what you're reading, call them and say, I'm, you know, I'm your constituent, I'm a sportsman, Uh, I'd like to know, you know, what did, what are your thoughts on that? You know, are you this bill that's coming through this session? If it's called to vote, how do you plan on voting? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's going to give you your answer right there. And so, you know, you can say for certain, um, you know, for certain bills or certain initiatives, you know, especially like at the federal level, you can go on and see all 49, you know, uh, senators who who are co-sponsoring that bill. And you can, you know, if it's 
uh, helpful to you to look at their party affiliation, then, you know, then go for it. And if it's not, it's not, you know, it's each politician is an individual person, you know, mm-hmm. and you can have people who are left leaning, right leaning from both sides of the party. You can have them who are pro hunting or, you know, anti hunting for various reasons in any state. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, you know, arming yourself with that information, you know, figuring out what bills are currently going on in your state. So you can use our website for that. You can search by state to see what we're currently working on, what we've worked on in the past and read up on it um, and, you know, start to do some digging. From a from an organizational standpoint, yeah, you know, like you, you mentioned, it can it can get tricky sometimes trying to, you know, not fall into one camp or the other. But for us, it's pretty easy. Like we're like, is this good for hunting or bad? Is mm-hmm. it is this attacking hunting, taking something away? All right, we're going to punch you in the mouth. Don't care if you're wearing a blue tie or a red tie, got right. a donkey or, or an elephant. Like you're trying to do something, yeah. you know? It doesn't jive with the North American model. It doesn't jive with biology. It doesn't jive with this. We're going to punch you in the mouth. So it doesn't really matter. Like uh, that's what makes it easy for us. And, you know, if one side or the other says, oh, you're partisan, it's like, no, like here's the proof in the pudding. Don't pick the fight. Like you put this out there. You're the one doing it. We're not like we didn't single you out. You brought a bill forward that closes public lands here or, you know, hunting opportunities through the closures. Uh, You're changing the season or taking a method away. We didn't do that. Like, we're just answering what you did. You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Enough of those issues come from both sides of the aisle that it does not take long to build up a record that that shows a, a solid bipartisan stance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff we see, you know, originates from cities which are disconnected, like we talked about, don't understand the constituents are calling for an end to bears or lions or whatever, just because like, oh, we shouldn't kill those. They're endangered or trophy Mm -hmm. or whatever the key word is. You know, they don't suffer the consequences and repercussions. So that little noise gets louder and louder. The legislators hear it and like, okay. They push for it. And, you know, if you're going to be broad stroke brushing it, a lot of the cities tend to be left leaning or blue or whatever. But so we do have a lot of fights there, but we'll see a lot of the dog bills that we get are introduced by Republicans. And, you know, they're they're meant to be good, along with a lot of things have unintended consequences, you know, for puppy mills. They're meant to stop that kind of stuff or stop dog abuse, which, you know, we're all for. We're not trying to promote that. But if they're enforced to the letter of the law as they're written, they oftentimes catch a hunter, field trialer, houndsman, bird dog guys, you know, or trainer Mm -hmm. or breeder for of, you know, sporting dogs. So then we have to, you know, we go after them. So I don't care what color tie you're wearing. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking to to points both of you made, um, Courtney, you laid it out very clean and easy how folks can can be involved and make a difference. And man, putting it that way makes it sound so simple. But then it's so hard to get people involved. And then, you know, Brian, you mentioned lions and bears. And of course, here in Arizona, we had our own issues with that this year. Um, the big question is, how do we get 
uh, sportsmen to be advocates. Uh, and I'll give one example that I'm I'm pretty proud of here in Arizona that we did. And that's uh, we have our camo at the Capitol event every year on the lawn at the Capitol. Um, I know some other states do that as well. But, you know, we gather up the vast majority of our great conservation organizations here in Arizona. Those are your kind of, you know, quote, critter groups, the elk guys, the antelope guys, the quail guys, uh, the predator colors. And we get them all together down on the Capitol lawn. And a lot of these groups, they don't want to be involved in the politics. Um, and they, they realize that we do. But but fortunately, they, they all come out and they make a showing on the, the Capitol lawn. And this year, um, the uh, Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, uh, they brought lion. We always cook up a lunch for the legislators who come down and visit. And this year we got to serve both lion and bear. Now, granted, our our lion and bear hunting fight was not in the legislature this year, but it will be eventually. And when it is and they try to play that trophy hunting card, you know, we can say, hey, you guys came down and ate it yourself. You know, you know how good this meat is, you know, you know how we utilize it. So um, with that, though, you know, that was one example of how we work on this. But uh, what, what do you guys think? You know, how, how do we get hunters who are typically uncomfortable in this stuff? How do we get them involved? I think it's really participating in whatever level you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are a membership-based organization like most of the other NGOs. Our memberships start at $35 annually, as most of the other ones do. And really, that's a great place to start. You know, it's a great place to uh, sign up for our newsletters. You'll see what we're working on every week. Um, you also get our membership magazine that we send out, like many other NGOs. And start from there, really dip your toe in and start to learn about, you know, what we've been working on, what we're working on now. Um, and and really go from there. If you're reading an article or you're, you see a bill or, you know, if it's something in your state that really strikes a chord with you, maybe you pick up the phone. Maybe you make that that first phone call. Um, there's lots of ways to get involved. Um, you know, we have lots of different membership types for uh, sporting clubs. We have different sponsorship opportunities for organizations and manufacturers who get involved in that level. We have our um, legal defense fund if you want to donate just to that. Um, so really, we, we leave it open to people. But for us, we really want people, our department, our goal is to make it easier and an easier understanding of how to participate if you would like to. So that's really our goal. We're not raising dollars to purchase acres of land. Um, you know, at this point, we don't have a state chapter membership. Uh, we don't have, you know, the big annual banquets and certain things like that. You know, we have some, some pretty awesome raffles and uh, contests that we do throughout the year to, to raise funds. But that's really at the basis of what we do is purely communication, purely getting people to pick up the phone, send an email, but also sharing on social, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's a great way to get involved as well. Once you pick up the phone, share it with your, your friends, share it with your local club, you know, heck print out a, a flyer and tack it to the, you know, the bulletin board at your range. Um, you know, it all starts one by one with each one of our members really working hard to, 
you know, take our message and, and spread it further. Sure. And, you know, those numbers, they don't have to be huge to matter. Um, you know, where I'll be down at the Capitol tomorrow speaking against a bad bill. And I've rounded up a, a couple buddies um, that are going to go down there and speak on their own behalf. And, you know, in, in a small room in front of a committee, a couple extra voices can really make a difference. Definitely. Definitely. And I think Courtney hit it all, you know, get comfortable, start where you need to, you know, an email from your personal email address. Yeah. Might be a little bit more of a pain in the butt to copy and paste, but that goes a long way. Right. You know, going through their actual portals, you know, is, is a great way too. But, uh, you know, that's the quick, easy way without that comfort issue, mm-hmm. picking up the phone, just try it, do it, you know, and because if we don't, whether it's the individual or it's the critter groups that are aversive to getting involved, if we don't, we're going to lose. Right. They're loud. They have political clout. They have a ton of money so they can swing votes. I mean, Arizona just a couple of years ago faced the ballot initiative mm-hmm. to end the sure hunting. And Arizona did great. The sportsmen stepped up, did an awesome job. But when they, they, they didn't end that ballot fight. They mm-hmm. suspended it right. and they still have almost half a million dollars in the bank account down there to restart it anytime they want. So you got to be diligent, you know, and be ready for it because it's coming again. I'm positive they'll redo that and Colorado. Now, we've yeah. known for, since Cecil they were coming after those two states. You guys are on the hit list because all you got to do is win Phoenix. Sure. It's done. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, it's, it's all just so frustrating for me because, you know, I, I, you know, all I do is hunt and fish. I mean, that's all I do <laughs> outside of my family and my work. I hunt and I fish. Um, but still I consider myself a naturalist first and a hunter and angler second. Um, and, and I have been my whole life and I've, I've been in both camps, the sporting camp and well, we'll say green and brown, you know, uh, both outdoor user groups. And it's just so frustrating to me um, that the hunting and angling community, I I don't want to say is viewed negatively upon by the rest of the outdoor user groups, um, because that's not necessarily the case. But a large chunk of it, um, you know, they are. And it's unfortunate because this model of conservation, you know, is – unbelievable you know we have access to to tangible access to to this resource in in a way that solidifies it for future use in in a way that protects and conserves wildlife or i'm sorry wild places and habitat natural places for everyone everyone who enjoys the outdoors and wildlife very much benefits from this model of conservation we have so in my opinion Hunting and angling should not be viewed as, uh, you know, a barbaric, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, thing. You know, it's it's a positive thing. Uh, It's, you know, I take a lot of pride in the fact that other than the fuel I use to go get the meat my family eats, there is zero environmental impact there. If anything, it's a net good to the overall you know, habitat that we have. Um, and I realize not everybody can't do that, but for me and my family, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I think that something, especially that 
really was highlighted uh, for me personally, and I think a, a lot that came out of this session so far, is you see a lot of people talking about that um, emotion has won over science or mm -hmm. feelings have won over science. Yep. And we're seeing that more and more. And so I think that, you know, listening, you know, to a lot of the testimony in Colorado and then, you know, being here in New England, especially for some of the bills that have been going on in Vermont and New Hampshire, um, a lot of the stories that you hear from the anti-hunting side, they're very emotional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they are. And it kind of... I was sitting in, in one of the meetings and it kind of like a light bulb went off and said, you know what? Hunting is emotional. It's emotional for hunters. Mm -hmm. You know, we have emotional as in we have a story, you know, there's feelings associated, there's connections to it because this is our heritage. This is what we do with our family. You know, one thing I love, you know, following you on social media is seeing, you know, you and your kids hunting and seeing them squirrel hunting and then seeing, you know, making up a big batch of, you know, fried squirrel. And those are memories, you know, that is no different than going on a canoeing trip with your family. That is no different than taking them, you know, to compete in their tennis competition or football competition over the weekend. Um, and those stories are incredibly powerful. And if we're noticing that they're incredibly powerful on the opposition, we should be noticing that they're powerful for us right. as well. You know, and so that's, you know, part of what we put out to our members is say, okay, here's the bill that's going on. Here's the facts. Um, here's our take on it. And here's what we've been working on arguing to kill the bill or amend the bill and why, um, and contact your, your, um, you know, representatives about it, but tell them a story, tell them why you picked up the phone, right? You know, tell them what you did last Saturday with your family, tell them about last season, tell them, you know, when you're sitting around or you're on a podcast and someone says, you know, what's your favorite memory from last year? Tell that to them. That's, you know, that's extremely powerful. You know, I had, I went to go speak on a bill um, earlier this, this season and that's exactly what I did. You know, the, there was a very emotional story from the person who introduced the bill of how it came to be, you know, a friend of his, it was an incident and the bill was born out of that. And I turned around and I told the same story. I said, Hey, this is my favorite memory from last year. It was shooting my first grouse over our dog on a perfect point. You mm -hmm. know, that was our family trip. You know, it's saying, here's a picture of our little two-month-old puppy that we just got who will be hunting now with us next fall. Like, this is our family. This is our tradition, what we do. And, you know, that's really what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, they. it's it's good to, yeah. I actually talked to some commissioners, game commissioners, you know, here in Washington, and they said to be sure to include those things. It's, it's what it boils down to is a culture war. It's mm -hmm. the cities versus the rural lifestyle. You know, and in this day and age of marginalized, you know, peoples and arguments and stuff, the rurals are getting marginalized. Mm -hmm. So they need to understand this is a culture, you know, and then also weave in some science. But what so much of this goes back to, boils down to, is our model has been so successful for the last hundred years. Nobody today, pretty much nobody alive today, understands or were alive when when there wasn't plentiful game 
You're right. That's an important There's point. So many, the people, so many people out there right now, especially the ones on social media making noise, wild game and plentiful game, seeing wildlife at your door or right outside your door has always been something. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't understand the story that took place at the turn of the century. And, you know, that's that's a tough thing to overcome because they think it just happens in a vacuum. No, this is a curated model. And the reason there is so many so much game, both predator and prey species, and because there is habitat and, you know, acquisition of habitat and making that habitat better and healthier is because sportsmen created this model and yeah, got groups, Ducks Unlimited, REMF, Q, you know, all the critter groups doing tens of millions of dollars of work over decades and bringing in tens of millions of acres, which then perpetuates the species from the top down or the bottom up, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But nobody realizes that today because we've been so successful. Right. No, that that's that's an important point. Um, you know, people, they don't know the story. They, they weren't around to see it, you know. Hell, I'm I'm 46 years old, and I can tell you, no, you know, on one hand, we were crappy teenage hunters, but on the other hand, there were a hell of a lot less deer. I go back home to Missouri now, and and I drive through St. Louis, and I can count a dozen deer at midday. Yeah, it wasn't like that when I was a kid. We had to work our butts off, but um, and you know that that's just a small blink of an eye. You know, the last hundred years really tells the story, and then. I think I, something I see on social media and conversations I've had with a cousin is like, oh, so you, you don't make them go extinct. Good for you. You know, and it's like, no, it's, <laughs> it's not that, you know, and what they don't realize or you'll get the other comment is that, oh, well, you almost killed them all, you know, and now now you brought them back mm-hmm. so you can do it again. It's like, yeah. No. And that's where you have to get into the that's where the story gets even longer. Right. You start talking about market hunting versus Sport yeah. hunting, you know, rules, regulations, and differentiating that in their in their minds because they don't know that story, you know. And so it's it's a long process. So going back to kind of what Courtney was saying is, do what's comfortable, your sphere of influence, what you said, a couple of people here and there, you know, if you can start changing minds a little at a time, sure, and become a little more active yourself in advocating, we're going to be in a better spot than if you didn't. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say for me to kind of round this out, you know, my three main takeaways here would be, you know, one, you know, know the history and the science behind this model. So you can pass that along Two, be thoughtful about how you portray hunting and angling. Um, That doesn't mean that you can't post grip and grins. I have a page full of grip and grins, but, you know, I try to keep them clean and, and, you know, somewhat. Pleasant, you know, I guess, depending on your perspective, but I try to be thoughtful about it, how how I portray this stuff. I, I try to not just post pictures of antlers, but post pictures of food and tell a story with those photos. Um, and I think that's important. Uh, I, I think shifting the narrative is, is important if we want people to view us uh, in a positive light. And then I guess three would be, yeah, get involved, be an advocate. Um you know, legislators are human beings. Uh, it, you know, I told you I'm going to go down and speak on a bill tomorrow. I still get nervous every time. But these are just people. Um, and you know more about 
what you're talking about than they do in almost all of these cases. So it's nothing to be afraid of. You know, pick up your phone, start making those calls. If you feel good about it, take it to the next level. Go sign up to speak on a bill um, and just get up there and tell them what you think. Like Courtney said, tell a story. Um, you know, humans are emotional. That's a lot of times what we're working against here. So let's use that to our advantage. Um, so those would be my three big takeaways. What do you guys think we've left out here? Huh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think really for our organization is that, you know, staying very focused, um, you know, on on one thing and what your mission is and, and doing it well is really important. And really, you know, one thing I love about Sportsman's Alliance and people ask us about a lot is, you know, how do you guys work with other organizations or do you? Um, you know, and that's one of the wonderful things about the this world and this part of, um, you know, advocacy work is that we all work together. Um, and really for us is that, you know, we lean on the critter groups to do, you know, to provide us with some of the data, to provide us with um, some of the actions and, and projects that they're doing that really helps our case, you know, of talking to people about why we're defending hunting and why we're defending trapping and what's going on. And especially our uh, state, you know, different wildlife and fish and game organizations um, and really stay focused on our mission. And so, um, you know, we're a, a smaller organization, you know, kind of a, a lot smaller than some of the, some of the bigger groups. Um, and really that's, that's our goal is that, you know, we're looking at when a lot of these issues become bills and they're coming into this legislature funnel, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where, that's where our strong suit is. That's where we know how to attack. We have the relationships, we have the conversations and, you know, know right who to go to and, and what to do about them and stay focused. And so I think, um, you know, kind of like any other organization, you know, we watch what's going on and it is a little disheartening sometimes to see some of the other uh, nonprofits, you know, getting hammered of, why aren't you speaking on this? What about this? What about this over here? And we're like, this is, you know, if you spread yourself too thin, you're no longer effective. And yeah. so, um, and so that's really our specialty on that is, you know, sometimes someone might come to us and say, I heard this kind of rumor going on in my state going on about this. And we kind of have to say, we're tracking it, you know, now we're aware of this issue and we're following it, but until it, you know, yeah. until it becomes the next step, you know, our, our government affairs team is working in, you know, in any of the 50 states that have issues, multiple bills going on. Mm -hmm. And so really putting them in a tier of, you know, once they reach this level, you know, we can kind of get involved and, and make an impact there. So I think, um, yeah, I think for for the public there, you know, all of all of the NGOs you're a member of, they're all working very, very hard for their mission in partnership with all the other organizations. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think that's great advice, um, especially from an organizational standpoint. And for me, because that's that's one thing I personally struggle with is there's just too much going on um, and you find yourself floundering and. You want to do a better job on everything, but there's just so much. So, yeah, getting yourself organized and, and prioritizing, I think, is really important. Well, yeah, I mean, they're they're coming at us from every every angle possible. I mean, this spring showed it is 
Washington, California, Colorado, Arizona, all got hammered with the same predator issues, yeah. but they used a different mechanism. Right. They used the legislature. They used the state game commission in Washington. They used, uh, they're using a petition in uh, California and in, they just inundated, you know, Phoenix with, uh, with comments, you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't even anything to do, just an open comment period. But all of a sudden their noise was making a splash, you know, so they're using every method and means possible to chip away at, at a sea at all various seasons. And once those are gone, it's really hard to get them back Mm -hmm. from a messaging standpoint and a monetary standpoint. What are you going to say? We want to kill more. That's not going to work in a metropolitan area. So once they're gone, they're usually gone. Right. Right. Well, Brian, Courtney, with that, I, I'm going to personally thank you guys for the work that you do, try, keeping this thing that means so much to me alive and, and moving forward. Um, so thanks for me. And and thanks from, from the larger sporting community for the same thing. The, the work that you guys do is important. No question about it. And also, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Appreciate that. Thanks for being here with me today. And I certainly look forward to working with you guys in the future. So uh, to wrap this up, you want to tell folks how to to find you and where to follow you? Yeah, you can visit our website, sportsmanslions.org. You can find all the links to all of our social accounts. Uh, But follow along with us on Facebook and on Instagram. Sign up for our newsletters. And, you know, if you feel so inclined, please join us as a member. We're stronger one by one with each one of you awesome i think that's a great idea all right guys thank you so much thank you thanks bye well i hope you enjoyed that conversation with courtney and brian it was an important one and you know i hope you'll get out there and throw some support behind these groups you know i work in the legislature with the arizona wildlife federation i'm an outdoors guy Uh, All I've ever cared about is wildlife and playing outside. And I'm going to tell you, it's not comfortable for a fellow like me. It's not comfortable for most hunters and anglers. So so those folks like Courtney and Brian and Sportsman's Alliance who are out there doing this important work on our behalf, get out there and throw them some support. Join up. Um, They have an important job. And, you know, that's where decisions are made. Decisions that affect us. And I can tell you, for one, this is not just about me. I have a a nine-year-old little boy and a six-year-old little girl, and I want these same opportunities I have for them, well, now and throughout their lives. So, yeah, I hope you got got some good information there. I hope you'll think about how you present yourself uh, to the rest of of the populace that doesn't hunt and fish and and how they might view you and and what we do. And uh, think about how you approach these things. By all means, stand up for your rights. Get out there and fight these fights. And, uh, and make sure we have this stuff forever, not just for us, but also for wildlife. Because hunters and anglers, they're the primary ones out there funding conservation uh, and doing all this great volunteer work that, that you know I bring to you at the beginning of each show. So with that, thank you for listening. Again, my name is Michael Cravens. You can reach me at podcast at azwildlife.org. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your thoughts, ideas, comments. I appreciate all of them. And tune back in and two more weeks. Until then, thanks. Take care.